1: Good evening. Welcome in. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Therese Paler, one of the best football writers in the country alongside me for the next hour or so. The protein I'll see with a purpose text line is 69306. If you'd like to get involved, that is the place to do so. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Therese is at Therese Paler. Therese, how you doing tonight, my friend? BK, my man, what's going on? I'm doing very well. We've got a fun game to talk about tonight because I was expecting we'd come in on a Monday. Chiefs beat the Lions 34-20. Not a whole lot to talk about. No, that is certainly not the case. So we have a lot to talk about today coming up here in just about 15 minutes. My biggest concern to come out of the game. I want to get your thoughts on the Chiefs run defense coming up at 630. I think both the Chiefs and the Patriots proved one thing over the weekend. We'll get into that coming up at 630. But the place that I want to begin is with the drive yesterday that Patrick Mahomes put together. Chiefs get the ball back at their own 21 yard line. They are down 30 to 27 with 220 to play and two timeouts. That's the John Elway drive. That's the Dan Marino drive. That's the Tom Brady drive. That's the, you believe in your quarterback. You got to have a play. You got to have a drive and they make it happen. That to me was an MVP moment that we didn't see much because we didn't need to see it often last year for Patrick Mahomes. But that is a game that I'm not sure the Chiefs win last year, Therese, because last year in those same situations, they lost four times of final minutes or overtime. This year, they get into the situation. Mahomes is more confident. Mahomes has seen anything that the defense is going to give him, and he's able to close it out. Do you think they win that game last year if it happens the same way?
2: I actually do. Against okay. the Lions, they do. Um, <laughs> oh, it's yeah, the defense that put it together. It's, it's, okay. Yeah, against the Lions, I think they do. Um, you know, I think it has, again, to do with Mahomes. I, 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 I saw so much, you know, people criticizing Patricia about the use of the timeouts, and it's like, okay, but he clearly knew the line that the Chiefs were going to score a touchdown there. Yep. Um, cuz they were. Like Mahomes was going to score a touchdown there and and it's the same um it's the same fear you have with John Elway. Like you mentioned that. It's the same fear you have with Tom Brady when it matters. Um you know, I think from the Chiefs perspective, it was good to see it cuz they're very they, they don't get tested a whole lot for the whole game. Um, And I'm not really big into moral victories and things of that nature, but I do think that the fact the Lions stayed in it the whole time, played better generally, probably should have won. The difference was the quarterback. And Matt Stafford played well, but the Lions quarterback is not uh, Patrick Mahomes. And at the end of the day, you know, I I think it was really interesting because I've I've obviously done a lot of tape work because I have to watch the whole league now. And I tweeted this at the end of the game. Philadelphia got closed out by the Lions last week because Matt Patricia ran drop eight coverage when it mattered. That was his people's elbow. And explain his that, rock explain that to people. Like, right. So
1: for the, that, the the listener who's like, okay, what what is that? What right. does that mean? Yeah,
2: that was the people's elbow. That was the rock bottom. That was you know you only rush three. The other guys they drop into coverage. Now that's a very difficult coverage. That's that's hard to throw into there's eight guys back there they're hoping that you force the ball in there that's what they're hoping you do um but on that entire drive go back and look at it they ran it basically the whole time trying to close out the Chiefs just like they closed out Wentz and it didn't really work against the Chiefs the fourth and nine play where Mahomes scrambled was money okay that's not something that um you know every quarterback can do in that situation so you know, look, they also completed some pretty good passes on that drive. So I, I don't want people to underestimate what they had to do here against that team because when the Lions play drop eight, okay, they're very good at it. They somehow get a rush on it. They've been schooled on it. That's Matt Patricia's finishing move, in the line, and the Chiefs still scored in a raucous environment against a team that needed that kind of signature win. So, you know, to me, I think, listen – Huge win for the Chiefs. It was a good win, and I think that's why you saw two things. A, Andy Reid visibly pumped in the locker room afterward. That was real. And here's what else was real. Andy Reid has consistently praised Matt Patricia. After the game in the press conference, today as well, he said, hey, that's a good team we just beat. And Andy Reid always says stuff like that, but not to this degree. He's doing it because he knows, like, hey, people don't understand that You know, they just think the Lions stink. No, they beat a good team and a team that arguably should have won yesterday.
1: And a team for the Chiefs that was without one of its two starting running backs. However, you want to put Damian Williams with LaShawn McCoy. They were without him. They were without Tyreek Hill in that game. They were without their starting left tackle in that game. The weapons were not getting open the same way that they did the previous week. I mean,
2: oh, yeah, it was completely different. And, And I think you also have to recognize, too, here, you're seeing Patrick be more vocal yeah. We're noticing I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, We can get to that now. Part of the reason you're seeing that is because, you know, it's not Tyreek Hill on the field. It's the third guy at receiver on the field. It's the fourth guy, right? Like, you're getting to the guys that haven't gotten the same number of reps with Patrick, and, like, there's a standard now, okay? When I reported in January that he was pissed about that AFC championship game loss, that hasn't changed. Do you think he wants to feel that way again? Because the way he's ordering people around, um, you know, the way he's ordering people around on the field, it it sure doesn't sound like he wants that. So, you know, um, I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that they don't want to go back to that. They don't want to go back to that same feeling. Patrick doesn't want that same feeling. And, um, you know, I think if you look at this situation, if you're the Chiefs, you feel good about it, but – they have, he's he's going to will those guys who aren't quite there yet with the site adjustments to get there by the end of the season. You can believe that.
1: One thing I noticed earlier today as we were on the drive and while I was looking at the text line, one thing that a lot of people were saying was something to the effect of, you know, Mahomes seemed to miss a lot of throws yesterday. I don't know that that was the case, and I don't want this to be people just assuming that I'm caping for Patrick Mahomes, but there were a lot of times where the guys that he was targeting on those throws where it looked like he missed them was, Demarcus Robinson, and McCall Hardman. In the game, six catches, 44 yards on 14 targets. Very inefficient, three and a half yards per target to those guys. I think it was very clear to me, you tell me if you disagree, Terez. Whether it was the side adjustments or McColl, it looked like on one out route in particular, took it a little deep and Mahomes threw it about two yards short. And that's something that we've seen in the past from McColl, where he took the out route a little bit deep and they weren't on the same page on that. And McColl got reamed a little bit afterwards. I think this is something where they're just, for whatever reason, not on the same page. The routes aren't quite as crisp as they are sometimes in practice. They're inconsistent. So it's upfield one time, downfield the next. Am I noticing something that you've noticed there as well?
2: nope, you, you you nailed it, and that's what I was saying. Like, it's the third and fourth guys at receiver that, you know, like it changes because they haven't gotten the same amount of reps. Um, one thing I think that's interesting, too, like, I made, I made sure I talked to McCole Hardman um, after the Chiefs drafted him. I talked to him during OTAs. Um, and I always like to ask the new receivers who come in here as rookies how much they've had to deal with site adjustments which is um, that's when a receiver alters their route based on the coverage after the play has started. Um, that's a pretty standard thing in the NFL. But in college game, it's not really – it's been simplified on the college game. So most of the time, the reason most receivers don't aren't good as rookies is because they're not used to having to do it. And you better not mess it up at this level. Otherwise, it's going the other way. Yep. Okay, so um, I asked McCole Hardman about that. And, yeah, lo and behold, you know, they had side adjustments, you know, corner blitzes, nickel blitzes where he had to become, you know, the hot receiver. But he also conceded to me that there's more of that here, right? So this is a process for for the guy. Um, but he's still really explosive, really t- I think, the, again, the college Macklin comparison that I feel better about every week, <laughs> it's there, man. And I'll also point this out, too. I don't think it's a coincidence that – of all the players on the offense, like, you know, he's yelling at these guys that are close to his age or, like, younger. You know, like, I can't wait to see what this is going to look like when he's 28, you know? What is it going to look like in four years when basically the whole offense is younger than him? So this is be a problem, right? He's going to be – he's going to really just, like, you know, it's going to be something because – it's think about, like, remember, like, Peyton Manning when he was yelling at cats? It's going to be like that.
1: I have seen some people – on the text line earlier today, and I've certainly heard it on Twitter as well, that are a little concerned that this could be something where moving forward, it becomes a bit of an issue. Because we've seen with Aaron Rodgers, just use that comparison because it's been a comparison for Mahomes for everything else. Why not throw it in here as well? Aaron Rodgers early on was the guy that everybody liked. He was the likable teammate. He was the guy that was doing everything. He was the same age as a lot of the guys in the locker room. Now, he's the older guy that's the old curmudgeon, and he doesn't necessarily get along reportedly with his teammates <laughs> as well as he once did. And in part, it's because he's hard on his teammates. He's really hard, especially on the young receivers. And some of them, they just end up wilting and they can't make it with Aaron Rodgers as their as their quarterback. Do you see any risk of that happening here with Patrick Mahomes?
2: Maybe in 10 years. Not now. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you can't handle like an alpha quarterback like correcting you, um, this league is a hard league and it's uh, a difficult league and um, You know, if you can't handle it, you know, it's hard to imagine you're going to be very good in this league. Like, I know, you know, old guys always say, oh, the generation is soft and all that. Like, here, look, Patrick Mahomes is of that generation. So, you know, if anything, he's going to be able to, like, relate to those guys. So maybe, like, when he's an old man and he's got, like, three MVPs under his belt and a Super Bowl or two, you know, people, we can start talking about that. But while he's young and while he's, like, trying to, like, carve out his legacy, especially when he's, like, the second youngest person on the offense. I don't really see that being a problem because it's only going
1: to go so far. It really is. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Therese Paler show on 610 Sports Radio. We got Dusty Likens producing for us tonight. If you guys want to get involved in the show, we will take some of your texts towards the end of the show as well. Answer some of those protein house eat with a purpose text line is 69306. So Patrick Mahomes really good. The run defense, not just really bad historically bad we'll tell you just how bad it was this weekend and so far this season next it is the therese paler show on 610 sports radio
0: the therese paler show 610 sports radio
1: welcome back it is the therese paler show on 610 sports radio he is therese paler one of the best nfl writers in the country you can find his work on yahoo sports you can also follow him on twitter he's at therese paler I'm Brandon Kylie. You can follow me on Twitter at BK Sports Talk. Always get involved in the show. The protein house eat with the purpose text line is 69306. All right, Torres. So the team's 4-0. They are a objectively great football team. And everything is gearing towards what is going to be happening in January when this team undoubtedly ends up in the playoffs and right. very likely ends up playing against the New England Patriots. And so... When I see going into yesterday that the Lions had a player rush for 100 yards twice since 2013, Mm -hmm. and then On Johnson rushes for 125 yards against the Chiefs, and that under Matt Patricia, the Lions had only scored 30 points in a game three times, and then they do exactly that yesterday against the Chiefs, I have to ask you, what specifically, you watch all the film, you watch these guys in a way that a lot of our audience can't or doesn't, what has gone wrong with this defense because the schemes new, the players are new and yet the results especially against the run seem to look the same to me.
2: I think you know some of this is just some individual breakdowns now, okay? Like whether it's your gap integrity being off or player getting walled off or you know some or the offensive player making a great individual play. Um, you know they're giving up rushing yards, 5.9 yards a carry for opposing teams. Is it the end of the world because they're 4 No, they're 4-0. Like, good. But, you know, I've kind of set the tone on this show. Like, we're going to do all this with the prism of looking toward January, right? And we've seen enough of these guys uh, in the playoffs to know, like, that's something to be worried about, right? So... It's okay for the run defense to be under scrutiny despite their record. Like no one's hang, you know, no one's laying these guys out right now. Like it's a great football team. They're a lot of fun to watch. But it's okay to talk about the run defense. Is it going to be okay? Um I will tell you this. It's not like last year when this was like, you know. This was Bob Sutton's 6th year here. <laughs> you know, like you know, like th- there was no excuses. For some other, like, you know, had, Eric Berry had to get guys lined up when he was in there. there was no it was excuse like week thirteen for this <laughs> stuff. Right. There was no excuse, right, in week 13, right, t- for this stuff. So, like, now it's like, okay, this is Spags. He really has just been working with these guys for five months. Like, okay, it's not the end of the world. But I will say this. They rank 30th in run defense right now. We both know that's not good enough, right? They know that's not good enough. Um And I want to see these linebackers play better. And I want to see, you know, some of the players on the defensive line be more stout against the run. And I want to see them tackle better. One thing they do have going for them, though, I do think these corners, like, sit up there and tackle. I think that's a reason to be optimistic about what they'll look like in a couple months.
1: You mentioned that they are allowing 5.9 yards per carry. So, through four games... For the 5.9 number is the second worst in NFL history. The only team that's allowed more than 5.9 yards per carry through four games is the 2011 Raiders. They allowed 5.91 yards per carry through four games that season. They ended up going eight and eight that year. The defense against the run is every bit as bad as we're making it out to be. Like, this is not something where we're just sitting up here blowing smoke. No, it's historically bad so far through four games. That being said, I think it can get better. I think it should get better. I believe still that it will get better, but I do want to mention this because it's the third straight year that the Chiefs have started 4-0 under Andy Reid. Prior to Andy, they had done it three times in franchise history, and so it's okay to look back at what they did the last couple of years when they started 3-0. and They got beat by the Titans in the playoffs by allowing 202 yards rushing so it was okay to scrutinize during the regular season when they were 4-0 the fact that the run defense was no good. Last year, they get beat at home against the Patriots when the Patriots ran for 176 yards on the ground. It was okay in week one through four to scrutinize the run defense for being bad because that's ultimately what led to them getting beat in the postseason.
2: Were you getting some pushback on that on today's
1: show earlier? Just in general, yeah. Anytime that we bring up anything negative about the team, just because they are 4-0. That's funny. It's fans don't want to hear the negative right now because the team's really good and looks like a super bowl contender. And I, I understand that you want to feel good about your team, but this is something that needs to be fixed for January.
2: That's interesting to me because I feel like when people tweet at me, most of the time it's complaints. So
1: just like, it's, <laughs> it's like, an t- interesting disconnect. Yeah, it's like
2: Therese, what's up with, you know, Philly? I'm like, guys are four 0 chill out. Um, but no, we can talk about the run defense. It, it, like, that number sounds horrendous, like the 5.9 thing. But, like, as I watch it to, like, the naked eye, like, I don't feel like it's hopeless at all. You know, they've only given up one yard over four, one run over 40-plus, you know, yards. Um, they've given up three over 20-plus yards. It, it, it's just been, like, solid, like, you know. But no, like, it's been solid gain after solid gain after solid gain. You know, it, it, I put it this way. When I watch the tape of these guys, I don't come away thinking, oh, you know they have a personnel problem here like it's going to be a long year trust me i know what that looks like remember i watched the 2008 lions right the uh, the winless lions and they got gashed on thanksgiving 2008 and you know in that game you just realize you know Teams are gonna get whatever they want running a football on you, okay? Um, I don't feel that way about this team. I, I think Spags is gonna get get it together. And I think the longer they spend in this in this defense, the more comfortable they'll get um with what they're being asked to do. And there's also this, hey, at least it's not like last year where it just felt like they were just they just kept taking it and taking it and taking it. Like they're still like teams are running on them but the way they're running on them and the way they're trying to play defense is different. So, you know, some of this might just be, we, we at least get to watch this happening happen a different way at the moment.
1: I hope it gets better, man. Cause I'm so not ready for another January of somebody coming into Arrowhead and running for 200 You're yards. It, we've seen it too many times, man. I mentioned the Patriots and the Titans running games. You remember the Steelers game when they came huh. in here and Le'Veon Bell Ended up running for 170 in that one. It it just it seems like every year that's the way that it ends. And so when I talk about it here, and it's September 30th, and we're four games into the season, and I understand why fans are like, hey, listen, they're 4-0. The, we should, this is why I'm talking about it. Because the entire 2019 season is through the prism, as you've said, of can this team get to the Super Bowl? Can they get to the mountaintop? And one thing that could prevent them from getting there, because they've got the quarterback, They've got the coach. They've got the roster talent. One thing that could prevent them from getting there is this specific issue. And
2: if you need proof of that, just get an NFL Game Pass subscription and watch the AFC Championship game from January and watch the Patriots use 21 personnel with a fullback and a tight end to run the ball down your throat, gap plays, all kinds of zone stuff, whatever they wanted to do they had on your home field in January when it's time for man ball. So yeah, there's a reason we're going to pay close attention to this, right? I think, um, we're going to continue to do that, but y- you know, you also get some pretty solid, like individual performances against the run two that we saw, um, from certain players. So, you know, I just, I don't feel like it's that hopeless. You know, I, I really don't feel like it's hopeless at all. It's a completely different feeling I get about this unit compared to last year. So, um, let's just see how it continues to develop. Let's see what's going on. Um, You know, but it's okay for scrutiny, guys. And if you need a reminder of that, just watch what the Patriots did to you in the AFC Championship game.
1: I did want to ask you one other thing, Therese, before we go to break, and I want to talk about on the other side, the Chiefs and Patriots, both of whom proved something really impressive over the weekend. Frank Clark. It's a name that gets brought up a lot. There's a lot of fans that are unhappy with how things have gone through the first four weeks of the season. He tweeted last night, no disrespect to a tackle, but that bleep does not feed my family. Sacks do. New team, new system, doubles, chips, et cetera. It's irrelevant. Save the excuses. Success in this league is not driven with excuses. That's the type of comment that has really endeared him to Chiefs fans already.
2: As it should.
1: But one sack, two quarterback hits, two tackles for loss through four games. That's the kind of thing that is frustrating Chiefs fans thus far. What do you think moving forward, Chiefs fans should expect from Frank Clark?
2: Um, I think you should expect him to deliver on his promise. Again, you know Frank Clark cares greatly about the game of football. He cares about being great. Like that's not a hustle. Like that's not jive. That's not that's, that stuff is real. It matters to him, um, and it matters to him to deliver on his contract. So just trust me, right? He's going to deliver on it. Again, for for like I appreciate Frank like saying that. I don't think he's playing poorly. I appreciate him saying that, though. Um, Again, I'm not worried about Frank Clark. I'm more worried about the run defense.
1: I want to have one follow-up question to that. We'll get to that on the other side. Plus, the Chiefs and Patriots proved their spot among the NFL's elite yesterday, and I'll tell you why. That's coming up. It is the Therese Paylor Show on 610 Sports Radio.
0: The Therese Paylor Show, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back. It is the Therese Paylor show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Therese Paylor is to my left. He's one of the best NFL writers in the country. You can follow him on Twitter at Therese Paylor. You can always get involved in the show. The Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line is 69306. So coming up here in just a minute, I want to tell you about what I saw from the Chiefs and Patriots specifically yesterday. But I had a follow-up question because we were talking about Frank Clark, Therese, and you said you don't think he's playing poorly so far this year. Mm -hmm. To the casual fan who does think he's playing poorly. What have you seen from Frank Clark that you would say, watch for this. In the next game, whenever it's Sunday night, 7.45, Chiefs Mm -hmm. are playing, defense is on the field, the casual fans watching the game. What is Frank Clark doing right now that makes you say he's playing not poorly and in your mind actually playing pretty well?
2: I think he's very aware. Like I've seen him sniff stuff out before when he's the only guy doing it. Um, I also think that um, you know, some of these pass moves are, like, almost getting home, okay? So, um, I, I feel like sometimes, like, just because certain sites say something, you know, that doesn't mean it's true. You know, people can just, like, look at that and just say, oh, well, they think that he stinks. So, it, that's not always the case. Um, you can also look, for the most part, I think he's been pretty solid, you know, holding his edge, right? So, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, do we want the splash plays? Yes, but there's an interception. There's been an important sack. Like, there's been stuff, and there have been times where I have noticed Frank Clark doing his job and and giving them more stout, explosive play on the edge than they got last year. Like, that's true, So at least in my opinion. So, you know, um, does he want more production? Yes, but, like, with one more sack and, like, a few more hurries, we wouldn't even be talking about this. I'm sorry. I just... I don't think that he's playing bad. Like, I just – my eyes don't tell me that. So, I think he was – You set- know, I, I I think people want to just – again, like, I think just because certain people say that might be true or, like, you know, um, sites might say that's true doesn't mean it is.
1: One thing that I would add to that. I think he was set up to fail this year. I think the contract, I think the trade, I think some of the hype that was released from sources inside of Arrowhead that said – He is one of the three or four best pass rushers in the league. They said they picked him over Jadeveon Clowney. They wanted him instead of any of the other pass rushers that could have potentially been available. There was one story that said, outside of Khalil Mack, he's among the best pass rushers in the league. All of that stuff, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans probably didn't watch much of Frank Clark in in Seattle, and that's perfectly fine. And so when they hear all of that stuff, they say, "Okay, we're getting an elite pass rusher, a guy that's going to impact the game on a de- in every down basis in a way that we didn't even see from D Ford or Justin Houston." And then they see so far this year a guy that's been a solid, if not spectacular, pass rusher, and when they see that Terez, I think they're disappointed by him merely being good. Him merely being good is not enough for a 20 million dollar a year pass rusher who you traded what you gave up to get with the offseason hype that they got. I think that's I I would say that he was set up to fail based on a lot of the stuff that had nothing to do with what he actually is as a player prior to this year and what he is now. Is that fair?
2: I think whenever you sign a contract for that money, people expect you to basically be Derek Thomas here. That's it. That's all I think it is. Um, Derek Thomas is a Hall of Famer. That's not really fair. I do expect him to be good. I do expect him to continue to play better as the season goes on. Um, I I don't necessarily think that, you know, any of the things that, you know, I reported or, you know, anybody reported about what he was going to bring to the table changes any of that because he signed such a huge deal. The fact of the matter is, yeah, I reported, they chose him over Jadavian Clowney. That's real. They did that. Um, you know, and this was somebody they had their eyes on for a long time. They wanted Frank Clark, not just because of his pass rush, but because of how good he is against the run and the effort he plays with and that type of deal. So um, I think I don't think that any of that really affected the expectations. I feel like just the money did. Like you hear $104 million, <laughs> you're expecting Justin Houston, right? Yeah. Like, Right? Like, that's what you... Because think about this, right? Like, remember they signed Justin Houston in that six-year, $100 million deal? For the next four years, all we, all people, fans were talking about was, uh, you know, Justin's hurt. You know, is he living up to that contract? When you sign for big money, it's really hard to live up to it. So, you know, um, I, I think that you're paying him to be a tempo setter, a tone setter, and to certainly finish with more sacks and pressures than he's on pace to finish with now. But as far as seeing it as you know some sort of you know crisis i'm just not there i think he's played pretty well i think he's going to continue to play better as the season goes on and i think this a lot of this is going to come down to how he plays when in january right because none of this is going to and frank clark had a 15 sack season but you didn't notice him when it mattered, people would be just as critical, if not more, because he didn't deliver when it mattered. So the book's still yet to be written. I know that's not as fun. Like, I got it, you know. You're on radio, have a take. You know, <laughs> I get it. Like, I understand it. I'm here. I'm here to have a take with you. But I think the correct take on it is he's been good. Let's see him. I think I think he set himself up to have more splash plays because he's put it out there himself that he needed to play better. So, okay, Frank Clark. It could be epic if you deliver on that. I actually fully expect them to.
1: I liked what we saw from the Chiefs this weekend because what we saw from the Chiefs and what we saw from the Patriots was the opposite of what we saw from every other team that was undefeated heading into this weekend. There were eight undefeated teams heading into week four. Right now, there are three. Mm -hmm. Patriots, Chiefs, and a team that didn't play this weekend and the 49ers. (laughs) The Patriots didn't play their best game. They were on the road. They went up against a Bills team that we both really like. They had to hold on late to be able to win that game. The exact same situation applied to the Chiefs. Now, they were very different games. The Patriots played the game that you would expect them to play if they were playing a close, tight game against a solid team where it was very low scoring. The Chiefs played the game that you would expect them to play if they were playing a close, tight game with their offense in the way that they typically play. Therese, I think the difference between the elite and the solid teams is the ability to pull those types of games out. The Ravens, the Packers, the Rams, the Cowboys, all good teams, not elite teams, because they were in a very similar situation where they could have had all of the hype coming right behind them this week, and especially the Packers, the Rams, and the Cowboys. They get out all the hype this week, but they weren't able to take care of business in a game that they all needed to win. I think that's the biggest difference between the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the rest of the league right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 lions played their a game were pretty close to it and they still couldn't beat the chiefs who played their c game that's that's what happens when you face like an elite team these and and you know what these teams always always have in common like just a killer quarterback you know just somebody that strikes fear in you now more than ever because of the way that the league is going so um you know i think yes i would agree with that statement i think you know um games like that where the pages don't look great but they still win the chiefs don't look great but they still win fans kind of come away thinking
1: eh,
2: I was a little queasy about it but you still get the victory it helps because you start like expecting to win and players start expecting to win no matter what and most of us are streaky no matter what it comes down to and like that matters when it comes to winning in this league so yes um, when you're an elite team, you can absorb worse play. You can absorb the other team giving you their A game. You get used to that. Um, but it's all empty if you don't consistently work on the things that you have to work on. The Chiefs have some areas they need to get better at. We can agree on that. I think we'd like to see them. Um, I, I think toward the end of the year, we will see them run a little bit more. We'll see that run more effect. They'll run more. And we'll also. I think we'll also see the run defense get a little better as they start kind
1: of rounding in the form. Do you think that a game like yesterday is something that Andy loves, though? Because, first of all, you get the win. And then on top of that, you know he had so much coaching tape to be able to go back to from that win. So that's got to be the ideal situation for Andy, right?
2: The best coaches are almost always – look, I've been covering pro football for a long time, right? I've been covering college football. So, so like, this is true. The best coaches always have a reputation for having, like, a killer eye for detail always and from nick saban to andy Reid to bill belichick this thing is in common so where that really helps is like when you blow teams out you can still put the tape up on there and light guys up if you really need to but it's even better when you actually have some like hey we almost lost because you did this you know and you got the little red you know red lighter thing and the, the red pointer and you're like hey look at you you almost did that to this team. You, you're you accountable to this football team because of that. So 100% games like that that test your character, so important, so important as you continue to grow as a football team. Even if you're a great team, you got to be tested. You got to take some hits, right, because football is about adversity. Just like, like, you got to overcome it. So a game like that where they faced a good football team that looks well-coached and played their butts off and had every motivation in the world to prove they were for real – um, that's the kind of win that you can build on, that you can get better from, and that when you get in another adverse situation, because you know what's going to come this week, next week, the week after, you can say, hey, we pulled through. Let me get back to the grindstone. Let me fix it.
1: He's Therese Paylor. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is the Therese Paylor Show on 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Likens doing a fantastic job producing this bad boy for us tonight. Coming up next, we'll go around the NFL and we want to answer some of your texts tonight. The protein LC with the purpose text line is 6930 t- 306 rather. Therese has all the answers. You guys have the questions. We'll get to them next on the Terez Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The
0: Terez Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back. Finishing things up here on the Therese Paler show on 610 Sports Radio. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. The protein house E with a purpose text line is 69306. We will get to some of your questions coming up here in just a minute. But before we do that, we want to go around the NFL as we do each and every week here on the Therese Paler show. All right, Therese. Bills and Lions. They both proved a little something to me in a loss. Now, the Bills did it against Patriots. Lions, of course, did it here in Kansas City My question to you, do you see these two teams as potential playoff teams in the AFC and NFC at this point?
2: Oh, 100%. Remember, I picked the Bills to earn a playoff berth. I did it in August, so I'm going to stick with it. I think the Bills will make the playoffs. And I think the Lions are definitely going to flirt with it. Um, It looked like a well-coached football team. man. They did. They look like uh, Matt Patricia has coached them defensively really well. You know, holding Mahomes of 315 yards and no touchdowns is – that's something. Like, that's something real. So, yeah, I, I think the Lions um, and, and their scheme, it looks solid. They've been competing. But I can tell you as a Detroit native, um, you know, this is just the second quarter of the season. There's a lot of ways this thing could go poorly. I've seen that happen. I just – they better take it one game at a time because the other Detroiters that have grown up watching this team know how quickly things can go poorly. Listen, the Lions started six and two one time uh, and they finished eight and eight. So <laughs> so I, we're going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I, I do obviously hope that, you know, that's the sign of a well-coached team.
1: I do love that Lions fans appear to have the same mentality that Mizzou huh. fans have. Oh, like it's, it's it's very similar. Oh, oh it's.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's oh. very similar. And think of, like, it's like the Browns, like, just ineptitude, like, pocked with the Cubs, like, never-ceasing curse. It's it's like that. And I, I think it feels that same
1: way for zoo a lot of the time. It's amazing. All right. The AFC South. They all seem to stink to me, Therese. Every team oh, in this division. God, I, I this love division. the Texans. I don't know what happened to them over the weekend, but seems very clear at this point. There's really no true front-runner. So, no. in your opinion, the best team in the AFC South is whom?
2: I still think it's the Texans. Um, I, I think the Jaguars are in the mix. This Jalen Ramsey thing is crazy. You know, uh, that division is wide open. It is so open. And if they had them, they might win 9-10 games, especially if Minshew continues to play this way. But, look, I like the Texans. They're still J.J. Watt. It's a competent defense. And, um, Deshaun Watson played. You know, it wasn't great. But... I don't think that that was, that's not gonna be. That's not who he is. And he, football clearly matters to him. He was back on on the field, two hours after the game was over. If it clearly matters to him, we know they've invested a lot of money in the offensive line. I bet that he gets it together. I, I still think the Texans are gonna win the
1: division. I always bet on the best quarterback. In a, in a oh, division where 100%. you've got, like, there's not a whole lot of difference between the top and the bottom, I'm always going to bet on the best quarterback. And there's no question to me that Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback in that division.
2: I like to do best quarterback-coach combination.
1: I don't bring up coach because <laughs> yeah, <'cause> I,
2: don't, <laughs> I don't have any
1: faith in Bill That's, O'Brien. He's like, that would best with your yeah. theory. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but here's the – you know what the honest to God truth, though, man, we could throw it in there. It's still the Texans,
1: right? Like, it – Here's Frank Reich changes things a little bit for me, but I just don't have Brissett, the faith in Jacoby. Brissett. It's not the, yeah.
2: At the end of the day, I think you take the better quarterback over the better coach in that division. So I'm with you. Frank Reich is clearly the best coach in the division, but the best quarterback and is not even close is Watson. So I still think they're going to pull out of there with 10 wins.
1: Speaking or so. of young quarterbacks that are very talented, it was a big weekend for Baker Mayfield. The Browns needed yeah, that yeah. win in a bad way. Their schedule is really tough coming up. T- people were ready to jump off the bandwagon. They were going to bury well, them this week. 40 to 25 over the Ravens. What did you see from them that stood out to you? I
2: love how I love how like they get the win and they just, you know, Baker couldn't wait to talk. His <laughs> his swagger is really something. It's great. Um and I hope he keeps it because that makes the game more interesting. But uh yeah, I mean, it was a huge win because if they start one and three in that market with all the losing they've had, like things turn negative there real quick. Negative questions, negative radio show, all that just because it's been so bad for so long. So, you know, if you start one and three after all the yapping you've been doing in offseason, it would have gotten pretty, pretty bad there. So that was a huge win for him. I thought it was big for Freddie Kitchens' program to come back after we all just land based at the guy on the Monday night for that performance. So, yeah, I, I think. You know, I thought it was important for them to do it. I hope they don't feel like they've done anything yet. You know, you I think for Cleveland to at least deliver on all this preseason, they gotta have a winning record. Like, let's see that. Like, win nine games, win ten games, make make a run at the playoffs. Um, So you're right, big win for them, but they're not done yet.
1: One of the biggest surprises of the weekend, maybe the biggest surprise of the weekend, was the Buccaneers going to LA, laying a 55 spot on the Rams. And Jameis Winston looking really good. I think this is the Jameis Winston full experience. So, like we've gone from the low of the lows early on to the high of the highs. Are you in or out on Jameis Winston? And ultimately, it is the last year of his rookie deal. You see them stick, sticking with him long time? You
2: know me, man. I, you know I believe in a contract year. I, I sure do. But man, he just, his knack for throwing interceptions at the wrong time. I I hate quarterbacks with that
1: with that. He's Jay Cutler reincarnated. I, That's what he is. I
2: can't stand quarterbacks that have that kind of trait because it never really fully goes away or oftentimes it doesn't. So, um, no, I'm not really buying into it. Um, I I think some of it was Sean McVay's fault. Jared Goff threw 68 times. Like run the ball. So, you know, let's see what happens there. But it's a huge win for the Bucks in that program, obviously. But the, the Rams, boy, you paid Jared Goff $130 million and the more they ask him to throw, the less it ends up going well for them. So,
1: I, I'm i going to keep an eye on them. I did want to talk about one other game, one other team in particular. It's the New Orleans Saints. Because I think over the last two weeks, they've had two of the most impressive wins of the season without their Hall of Fame quarterback. Therese, right now, do you think that the Saints are the best team in the NFC? I
2: think the NFC is totally open right now. I wouldn't say that. Um, you know, as it is, you know... is. It, <laughs> Teddy is doing enough for them to win, but it's not like with Breeze. Let's project um, You know forward. what I mean? I, I feel Drew like Breeze. with Drew Breeze, the Eagles have disappointed me. That was the team I thought was, you know, the best team in the conference. Um, they're all banged up. I think by the end of the day, it still might be them, uh, especially if they make some additions or a big addition uh, before the trade deadline. But I, th- I think if we want to project forward, Drew Brees comes back, and let's say he's fine. Yeah, I think of all the teams in the NFC, that's the one that I felt has played um, well enough to get to the Super Bowl.
1: Let's get to some text. Text. We're gonna finish out each and every week on the Therese Paylor show this way. The Protein LC with a purpose text line is six nine three zero six. We wanna get your guys' questions for Therese, get some of these asked and answered for you before we get out of here in about five minutes or so. Let's start with this one, Therese. Protein LC with a purpose text line is six nine three zero six. To me, the problem for the Chiefs defense looks like a tackling issue. There's a lot of yards after contact. Is that something that you have noticed as well?
2: Yeah, it's not It's not is not ideal with the tackling, but that's something we've kind of seen with them for a little while now. And some of that almost has to do with the fact that you're not really allowed to hit as much during the season as you used to be able to because of the new CBA. Um, what you typically end up seeing is that when teams do make a priority of it, they can get better at it as the season goes on. Um, if you look at Spags' defenses, like his championship defenses, they were they got after the quarterback and they, they were pretty decent tackling. So, uh, good eye right but I, I i do think that's again i think that's something that can get better i just don't have a foreboding sense of doom about the defense i think i think they'll be okay when Pro, it's all said and done
1: protein i see with the purpose text line is six nine three zero six therese what's going on with jalen ramsey any update on that and for the chiefs and for anybody else
2: I, I think the chiefs i think the eagles and a handful of other teams are waiting for the jaguars to figure it out um Obviously, there are people in that organization that would like to move on from him, I'm sure, but the owner does not want to. So what are you going to do? Like, they have to make a decision. They got to decide to trade him, and then if they decide to do that, you know, again, I've been consistent on this. It's about, you know, at what point does the risk become worth the reward? Um, I do think, again, I think there are other teams out there that could potentially offer more um, than the Chiefs, but we know that they are, going to be finished in 30th or 31st or 32nd or something. We know that. There are other teams out there that could put together a better package. Um, And I, I, I think I expect other teams to put together a better package. But if those teams are bluffing and some of those packages for some reason have evaporated, I think there's a chance that could happen. But A, the Jaguars have to decide to trade them. B, other teams have to be bluffing. And if that happens, then you still need Jalen to probably be willing to come in here and, like, play on his deal, right? Because if you sign him immediately, that's creating some cap issues with Chris Jones, Chris Jones and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And also, you got to agree on the conversation with Jacksonville. Do they really want to first? Because I don't know if you can't see if you can do that. So I, I think there's a lot of ifs there, but that's a pretty good summation of what's going on.
1: Protein LC with a purpose text line at 69306. We're asking Therese your questions to finish out the Therese Paler show tonight on 610 Sports Radio uh, the next question that I've got for you, Therese, how good have you, or how how impressed have you been rather with Bashad Breland to start yeah. this season?
2: Um, he's playing for money. Uh, point that <laughs> out. He's been great though. Like I think he's physical. He's made plays on the ball. I've been really impressed with B- Bashad Breland. I-, I think that he's been a great addition. And I think you know if you added like one more corner to the mix, whether it ends up being Mo Clayborn if he plays at a high level, or you get someone else in here, you know. Him as your number two corner, you are sitting pretty. You are good. Like I feel really good about
1: Bashar Breeland. What are you expecting the plan to be with Mo Claiborne?
2: They'll work him in slow. You know, I, I think, you know, he'll probably he, – he, I, I do think he'll probably play initially. Like, there's ways that you can work him in. And as the season goes on, you know, um, he'll start – you'll start seeing more and more of him.
1: Any explanation for Daryl Williams in the fourth quarter as opposed to LaShawn McCoy?
2: Um. Sometimes there's a lot of things going on with players and injuries that we don't like know about. I think if everything's considered, like McCoy's probably the guy you'd want out there. So when he's not out there, it makes me think maybe he's still banged up, or he's dealing
1: with this or that, or
2: you know maybe they just had a package of plays that better fit Daryl Williams's um, skill set. I'm not really sure.
1: How long do you think we'll be before we see Ter- or excuse me before we see Terez <laughs> before we see Tyree Kill back on the field?
2: You got to be careful with him. You know, um, I don't want to give out a specific time frame yet, but I do think it was a great sign that he's out there running routes. And if you're the Chiefs and you start 4-0, you, I think you got to just, you got to take it slow. You don't need him right now. You don't need him in the next two weeks, in my opinion. I would make sure that you know that he can handle being hit so that he won't have to come back out later. Like You want him to put together like eight straight games or something like that heading into the playoffs, right? So that that's
1: what I would do. We'll see. He's Therese Paler, one of the best sports writers and certainly one of the best NFL writers in the country. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Download the radio.com app, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you next Monday on the Therese Paler Show. Hello, Kansas City. This is Chris Crum, host of Power Trading Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.